Sex. Uh, happy Sunday. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, today is probably somewhere between uh, a rant and some good information. It's information that will help therapists, I think, if you, if you kind of put it together and put it to use. It will help patients and clients to get better care, which is the whole purpose of this thing, right? It's, it's for people to get the best care they can in order to improve their mental health, to, to feel better about themselves, their lives, and, and get moving on down the road. So one of the things that comes up often is questions about diagnosis. So I'd like to break it down. It may be a little on the, the, the plain side as I get into the more complicated, but I would like to start there and move over so that the average layperson can, can grab onto this and, and, and ride this train through. When you go to see a, a therapist, um, either uh, now you could be seeing a psychiatrist or other mental health clinician or behavioral health clinician. Uh, sometimes doctors will diagnose mental health issues, but often it's someone in the mental health field. When you see a licensed clinical social worker or um, the, the PCs, the counselors, you know, the LCPCs, and they have the, the license in order to diagnose. They actually go through and do the diagnosis, look at the material information, and help you figure out what it is you're dealing with. This is a very important step, gathering information. A lot of people will jump through this quickly, or they will give an easy diagnosis in order to, to just not hassle with the diagnosis. It's very important to understand getting the correct diagnosis means getting the correct treatment. This means that uh, now sometimes people will come in and they don't feel comfortable, either the, the therapist or the social worker or whoever you're working with doesn't feel comfortable diagnosing as quickly in that usually one hour to two hour time frame that they initially meet you. And so, because it's a lot of pressure to get the right diagnosis. And, and diagnosis is also one of those things that gets tweaked as time goes on. I'll give you an example. You may ha be having problems with anxiety. You come to see somebody, and although you have all the characteristics of anxiety, when they actually start peeling it apart, these things only happen in social situations. And ah, where we thought we had just unspecified anxiety versus the generalized anxiety diagnosis, you know, when you have the general anxiety disorder, it, it, it's, you know, there's, there's criteria for that. But if you dig into it, you realize that, oh, this is really not that this is more of social anxiety or social phobia. Sometimes you realize that the anxiety is not meeting the full criteria to actually get a diagnosis. And so they have unspecified, or in some cases, they have what's called adjustment disorders. So I want to take a second to, to explain the adjustment disorders. Those disorders, when somebody comes, and if the person seeing the individual that's coming, the patient or the client, depending on your work setting and what, what you know, the people, you know, what label they have when they come in as far as services, uh, hospital settings usually have patients, normally clients, outside providers. When they come to see you, if you know there's some anxiety there or there's some depression or there's some behavior issues, if something happened within the last several months, you might commonly get what's called an adjustment disorder. An adjustment disorder basically means that, that something happened in your life that caused things to change 
either divorce, uh, marriage, uh, having a child, uh, sometimes deaths in the family and it's grieving, but in this case, it's, you know, they can, it can come under adjustment disorder, uh, changes in school, uh, changes in life, um, for kids, it could be something happened, a change in school, a change in, you know, where they're living at, uh, parental custody things. There's all kinds of things that could have happened that is affecting this person mentally. So then they give adjustment disorder. And adjustment disorder can be broken down into many categories. Uh, they have lots of little labels, you know, for one with uh, mixed disturbance of conduct. They have one for anxiety. They have one for mixed features, for depressed features. In the end, though, you need a diagnosis in order for the insurance company, one, for you to bill and to pay. The other thing is, is it's a starting point for, for the person to look and figure out where you're going. Now, sometimes the diagnosis is quite clear or you already have a previous diagnosis. You've been seeing somebody for lots of years. You have a diagnosis for major depressive disorder. And then it becomes just a matter of, of gauging what level of depressive order you have, you know, if, it, if it's recurrent, then, you know, instead of one episode, then is it, you know, mild or moderate or severe? And does it have other things? You know, there is a plethora, love that word, don't get to use it as often as I want, but a whole huge bag of different diagnosis breakdowns for just something as simple as depression. The, the, the diagnoses get more complicated. Now, some people will tell you that, well, we just need a diagnosis for treatment. In other words, we, we, you know, we're going ahead and get the adjustment disorder, which is cool because they should spend in their next session, if they don't do it in the first session with you, the actual intake or the evaluation, the next session is narrowing that down and getting a more defined diagnosis. Why is it so important to get the right diagnosis? If you take your car up to get your car fixed and you walk in and the engine's making a rattling sound and you tell the person, I need to know what's wrong with the engine It's making a rattling sound. Hopefully the person's going to run a diagnostic test on your car. Maybe they plug in one of those devices that does the little light thing, or maybe they just, if it's an older car, they pop the hood and listen. And, but they're figuring, oh, there's something loose. There's a fan belt loose here or you know, something here came apart, or there's another issue with something leaking and the fluids are causing this. Because they can't fix your car unless they find the right stuff. They're not gonna say, well, we just need to know that there's a problem, the diagnosis don't matter for your car, we'll just start doing things to it. You'd be like, whoa, no dude, no, no, no. I'm paying you to fix a problem. Let's find out what the problem is and get to work. You know, You show me what I need to do to get my problem hooked up, fixed up, done. The same thing when you go to a medical doctor. And this, see, this is, this is where it gets really sticky with people. And, and, and I've had people get upset with me, even within this profession. Some of the diagnoses you get in mental health, just like some of the diagnoses that you get in the medical health, can be scary diagnoses. So, and it's scary because people don't know everything about it or they've heard things about it that upset them. And some of those are the ones that I work with the most, which are personality disorders. A lot of times when a person comes in, a, a diagnosis such as BPD, borderline personality disorder, or maybe even histrionic or you know, narcissistic or antisocial, you can see how those diagnoses elicit a lot of emotion, both in the patient and in the person doing the diagnosis or the person treating. 
So for that reason, there are times when therapists will be reluctant to give this diagnosis. And there's also times when the patient will be reluctant to accept that this is the diagnosis. And this is where you really have to ask yourself some questions as a clinician. Are you diagnosing based upon the information given and the facts you have, or are you diagnosing based upon countertransference or just a general aversion to doing certain things? Because I have met therapists who do not want to diagnose somebody with borderline personality disorder, or they're not used to seeing somebody with, you know, dependent personality disorder or they're not used to seeing somebody with avoidant personality disorder. So they don't have enough experience to actually dig this apart and go for the one with avoidant, oh, this massive anxiety that I'm seeing, what is going on here and what is happening? What are the details and how long have you had this and what's going on? This is why I tell a lot of therapists that if you look and there is a long history going way back in time with many therapists, and many issues, you should start to think a minute and go, wow, you know, this person's been coming for mental health problems for a long time, and they're not getting the care that they want or need, or the case is so complicated, things don't seem to be getting better. And that should, you know, make a little question mark pop up in your head and go, hey, what's going on here? Uh, the other thing is, is a, a lot of times these things are complicated, and of course, a lot of the stuff that we get for information is self-report. So maybe the patient didn't tell everything that's going on. A lot of times we get very confused in what it is we think causes what. Uh, one of the cases, again, with personality disorders, it could be that this person's had a lot of trauma. And the question we'll get, get asked is like, oh, well, did the trauma cause this personality disorder? And, and if you've watched any of my videos, I believe in the heavy genetic component of these. And so for something like borderline personality disorder, there is a heavy genetic component. You can, you can trace this back. There's some family history and there's things that may happen. Now, do the things that happen, and see, here's the question. When I ask somebody, okay, there's trauma, were you experiencing symptoms that were mental health symptoms before the trauma? And they go, yes, you know, there was this, I wasn't sleeping well at night, I was having anxiety or depression or, or self-harming or lots of things. And then a traumatic event happened. Okay, so the, the trauma happened on top of you having the other stuff going on, not the other way around. I mean, every now and then I have somebody come to me and said there was no mental health issues whatsoever, then this traumatic event happened. And after that, I've had all these symptoms. Okay, I can trace that back to that event and go, that's probably related to the trauma. And whether or not it's full-blown PTSD involves a lot more questions, you know, about what is your feeling, what's going on, how are you sleeping, what are your thoughts, all kinds of things, along with are you experiencing the anxiety, the depression, all that stuff. So when you when you look at it, you know, as a clinician, you're, you're solving this, this puzzle and you're not getting all the pieces, but you're getting enough pieces to put it in order. It's so important to get that diagnosis because people, people will tell me, well, you know, well, you, you know, you got anxiety and depression. Isn't that enough to treat them? I don't have to diagnose them with borderline personality disorder. And I'm like, 
no. If if the borderline personality disorder diagnosis is warranted, then you need to, unless there is a life-threatening reason for not giving it, you need to give it. In fact, most people who get it, there's a sigh of relief going, okay, they've been trying to treat me for depression for 10 years and we're not getting anywhere. Why am I so resistant to the medication? What is wrong with me? What is going on? And then when you explain, oh, this is what I see, then they suddenly go, well, well then let's treat for that because there are evidence-based practices for this kind of diagnosis to help it fare better. And you want to look for those. You know, if, if you've just been treating somebody with CBT because of their depression or anxiety, and you haven't been actually getting into and going, maybe we need to, to, to step it up and do a different kind of therapy. We need to go to DBT or, or MBT. And, and these are an acronyms for other types of therapy that's special their, their special connection to working with people who have say borderline. And I, and I keep using borderline because this seems to be the most prevalent, prevalent in my world. In other places, it might be different, but for the people that I treat, this is usually the most prevalent personality disorder that I see. Not saying that others don't exist. I do treat people with dependent personality disorder. I do treat people that, um, you know, have avoidant personality disorder. And uh, so, so these things do come up histrionic occasionally. A lot of people will have several diagnoses that are very close and I treat the most, you know, the ones with the most symptoms, you know, they may be borderline personality disorder with a little bit of narcissism over here or a little bit of histrionic or a little bit of dependent and go, okay, but this is the, the main one that's showing. And it's, if we treat this when the other stuff will come down and people will go, well, you know, well, people are, you know, when they get that diagnosis, it's very sad. It's very depressing. I'm like, yes, it is. I agree. And it's very serious. And you need to explain to them what the diagnosis is, how it affects them and what can be done about it. When you shy away from that, to me, it's the equivalent of somebody coming into a medical doctor's office and, and, and he's like, oh my God, you know, he looks at the nurse. He goes, I got the x-rays. They, they've got, they got a brain tumor. They have cancer. And then instead of telling the person, we need to talk to you, you have cancer, he looks at the nurse and goes, shh, that's very upsetting. We're not going to tell them that they have cancer. Tell them they have a migraine. We can treat them, but, 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 but we don't want to scare them. You'd look at that doctor and go, or, wait a minute, what's wrong with you? You know, why won't you tell me what's actually the diagnosis? proper diagnosis for proper treatment. You have to understand what it is that's been going wrong in order to help a patient figure out how to change that part of their life. Now, there are some therapists who will say, I will diagnose. I'm not so sure about telling the patient. And I'm, I'm more of the open kind of person. And I believe that we need to get this out in the open. We just need to be honest with each other. Sometimes if it's a case of where a person is very vulnerable or, or fragile at that moment, then I will tell them there's a lot of stuff going on with you and we need to break it down. And I may take a session or two to explain to you what's going on and what's happening. Uh, it's a case by case. And a lot of times I go and I consult with somebody else. I ask for advice from, you know, other therapists. I want to get feedback. I'm always asking myself, am I doing what I'm doing to help the patient or am I doing it in response to my feelings about problems or things? In other words, if I 
avoid diagnosing somebody, why am I doing that? First question. Or if, you know, I, I, I don't want to tell somebody, why, why is that going on in my head? I immediately analyze that. And I need to have some real good reasons to do what I do. And that's why I always tell other therapists, you know, you diagnose what you see. And I admit it was very difficult for me when I first started, you know, I was like, you know, thinking, oh, my, like depression, diagnosing somebody with depression. Do I really know they're depressed? Do I want to say they're depressed? You know, because of the stigma that goes with being depressed and, you know, and it was like, I had to dig down deep and go, well, these are the symptoms. This is what's here. Why wouldn't I diagnose depression? Now, maybe I don't know the exact kind of depression because I have to find out, again, asking questions. That's the whole point of that assessment is to dig, 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 dig for information. And sometimes you make a diagnosis based upon what you've been given. And later on, some other stuff comes out or is told to you or whatever. And you go, ah, there's another diagnosis that goes with that. Or I have to tweak this diagnosis. It's, it's not moderate. It actually is severe. Okay. Or, you know, this is both generalized anxiety and you know a social phobia or, or social anxiety you know what is going on and sometimes things look so much alike that you, you you know you're like constantly breaking it apart looking at it you know readjusting revisiting your diagnosis and making sure you're treating for the right thing in the right way you know with with uh medicine you know there's this thing about you know right medication, right dose, right patient, you know, it's very similar in the mental health field, right diagnosis, right treatment form, right interventions for the diagnosis in the patient. And also knowing that if you're not qualified, if you have somebody, and, and I know, you know, you find the therapist you finally like, and, they, and if they tell you honestly, I, I, the trauma stuff, that's not my specialty. I do, I do cognitive behavioral therapy. I can help you with this. I can help you with anxiety. I can help you with depression. I really think though, for the trauma piece, you need to go to somebody who specializes in trauma. Then you can do that and then always come back to them. Same way with personality disorders. Some people will flat tell you they're not trained in that and that's okay. Not everybody can be trained in everything. And some people are awesome with working with just anxiety or just depression, or even something like OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. So when you're doing that, that is their niche, that's their specialty. So you seek out somebody who can do that. It's just a matter though of, of realizing that you have to find what's going on and treat it the best way you can and refer up when you need to ask for help when you don't, you know, have, if you don't have the skill, you can acquire the skill. Sometimes it's a simple matter of, okay, you know, I don't specialize in DBT or something like that. What can I do to help you while we're waiting to get you into that DBT clinic? Let's go on ahead and start looking at DBT and, and seeing what we can do. Sometimes it's easy as the therapist literally going online, registering for a class and starting that class and then starting to use the skills that they get while they're working with you. But again, proper diagnosis. If you do not have the proper diagnosis, the correct diagnosis, it makes treatment very difficult. And it's also very frustrating for patients because they feel they're being treated for one thing when it's not. 
uh, one of the most prevalent misdiagnoses that I've come across is bipolar versus borderline personality disorder. There's a ton of videos online about that, a lot of talk on it, but there is a clear delineation. And being able to look at somebody and take a history and go, no, this is borderline personality disorder. This is not bipolar. It's possible that a person can have both, but if you actually look statistically wise, it's not as common. It's just that a lot of people can accept bipolar. So, you know, somebody will diagnose them with bipolar and treat them for bipolar. And sometimes the medications can be very similar for what they're working. But for the person who has borderline personality disorder, they don't understand what's going on. It's like, okay, some of my symptoms are under control, but these other ones aren't under control. And I don't know what's going on. And why do I have them? If this has been fixed, why am I now dealing with this? It's because you have borderline personality disorder. And that needs to be addressed directly and worked on. Okay. So I hope I've made that real clear that diagnosis is key. It's central. It's integral. It's, it is the main part and it makes for the whole treatment frame. Everything comes off of that. You have to know what you're dealing with and then you adjust your treatment for that. It will do lots of things. It will stop burnout both in patients and in the therapist, because if you're not treating for the personality disorder, which is the proper diagnosis, and you're treating for something else. As a therapist, you get frustrated because they're not making the progress that, that normally would happen. And you're getting, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm just, you know, you know, what's wrong with me? They're not, you know, something not, not connecting here. And as the patient, you're getting frustrated because you're like, man, I'm doing these things and I'm taking this med and I'm doing this stuff. And why aren't I getting better? Correct diagnosis, correct treatment, better outcomes. Okay. So I hope y'all have a great day. Uh, I hope this helps a little bit for people who have asked. Uh, if y'all want, please write in, ask me. Um, I will, you know, go through and do a video specifically for the differences between bipolar and borderline personality disorder. If that will help, um, just let me know. Uh, anything I can do to help y'all will. Y'all have a blessed day. Namaste.